once in a month, and better it be when the moon be full. This is Witching Around, the podcast which explores and celebrates modern day paganism and the community within. We are your hosts, Regan Shanti, a solitary eclectic pagan, a researcher, workshop leader and author. And Jenny Cartledge, hedge druid, writer, academic and speaker. Every month we discuss different aspects of the pagan path and speak to others in the community for their insight and expert knowledge. everyone and welcome to episode 20 of Witching Around. So it does appear to be just me this month and it does come with some news. So I am sorry to all our fans of the amazing Jenny Cartledge but she has stepped back from the podcast. It's not permanent, it's just while she's focusing on her studies and as we've heard from her in the past it does get crazy. So she is just prioritizing and taking a step back from the podcast and it is what it is we miss her and I absolutely promise she will be back for some other episodes but for now you've just got me little old Reagan and it's March and it's like one of those years where you blink and it's all of a sudden it's a springtime I have a really good episode for you this month I'm interviewing Bianca Kemp of Burgroon so if you are on Instagram you might know her quite well she appears on the reels quite a bit and i absolutely love everything about her i've known her for quite a few years now um and it was via witchfest actually that we got to know her and i was just itching to interview her so this episode was meant to be earth magic as part of the elemental series however bianca and i got really really um we dealt quite a lot into magical herbalism as that's her specialty and i that that's what our episode is about because it's just so fascinating and it's something that I've been really into as well so let's get to our favorite topic well I say our favorite topic it could be just that I like to talk about myself and you guys are like oh get on with it but there we go so how have I been witching around this month it's been a crazy one mainly because I've been gearing up for Froom, the witch press market, the cheese and grain, which will be happening as you are listening to this. So if you are within reach of Froom, and it's the 2nd of March, if you're listening to this on the day release, then get down there. It's going to be awesome. It's going to run from 9am till 3pm. I'm there as a trader with my brand Ethereal Creations, and I am so, so excited. So I've done a revamp of my brand and I've shifted everything that I offer. Well, not everything, but most things. And I have actually lent into the whole magical herbalism side of it. So it was actually quite good time in this interview with Bianca. So that's what I've been focusing a lot on uh, with my handmade incense and spell jars. And I didn't think I mentioned this in the previous episode. So I've been working on that. And I have also been trying to grow some more plants. I've tried to really get stuck in. I've got a, a couple of almanacs. I've got a date book where I'm putting in the dates of where I'm going to plant certain seeds. And I'm working on it. But unfortunately, as I discovered this morning, because I got a bit distracted with frame prep, the coriander seedlings that had blossomed last week are now dead. <laughs> so what happens when I keep stuff in a room that I don't always go in? I forget that they exist or I go, oh, 
no, 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 it's fine. I'll, I'll water it next time I'm in here. And I didn't, and it's dead. So I'm going to have to start from scratch. And the basil seeds I planted didn't actually grow at all, which was really weird. Miraculously, though, the coffee plant is still alive. I, I don't know whether its placement just happens to be really, really good, but inexplicably, that thing is still alive. Uh, not really growing that much bigger, but it, it is alive, which is impressive for me. <laughs> but for the most part, I have been working on my magical herbalism and kind of exploring that side of it. And also doing a lot of batch interviews for Witching Around. I'm actually all set for the next few months and it's going to be super exciting. And I really hope you guys are going to tune in for it because it's, it's going to be good. I've got loads of really cool guests lined up. And that's actually given me a lot to think about in terms of my path. And as it turns out, Jenny might not be the only hedge practitioner in the midst because I've been reading through Joanna van der Herven's book on the hedge witch and a lot of it sums me up. So <laughs> that's going to be something I'm going to be looking into over the next month or so. So maybe I'll have more to say about that next month. Maybe I won't. We will see. But it's definitely something new and exciting for me to explore, which is quite quite fun. It's, it's always good to keep your uh, path fresh and discover new things about yourself. I am trying to get into the habit of drawing an oracle card weekly. I used to do it all the time when I was younger. And the reason why it changes different from what you might think, it, the reason why I stopped was because I used to use one of the Doreen Virtue oracle cards. It was the goddess set. And those of you who were a bit newer to the whole witchy circles thing may not know about her. Uh, it's not like she was any, she's done anything bad per se. A few years ago, she suddenly changed paths and went kind of born again Christian, I would say. Or maybe I'm, I might be incorrect. So people can uh, reply to like the social media posts about this episode and tell me if I'm wrong. But she diverted away from the new age side of things and cited it all as hokum really. So it didn't feel right using those cards anymore. And I really struggled finding a deck that really resonated with me. And I found a deck at Witchfest last November, the Gaia Oracle. And shout out to Heron Drums because they had it at their stall. And I went back to it a few times thinking, oh, I really like that. And then eventually I went, you know, nope, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. It's been calling out to me. And I've been trying to remember to get back into that. And it, you know what it's like when you have a, when you have a, um, a ritual that you do or a routine that you do, and then you step away from it. And then it's really, really hard to get back into the mindset of actually remembering to do it. And it also, it probably doesn't help that I now have a toddler who will just take my cards and walk, walk off with them. So I can't really just leave them displayed for me to look at, which makes it a little bit harder for me to remember because out, out of sight, out of mind. And maybe that's the, uh, the neurodivergency of me, or maybe that's just a universal thing with my fellow witches. So do, do mention if you think that's the case for you as well. I do appreciate fan mail, especially now that I don't have Jenny alongside me to listen to my waffle <laughs> and respond to me. Do get in touch and do talk to me. I like to hear from from the listeners and maybe I'll start actually reading out some messages. There have been some really nice comments on the Facebook and and Witching Around Instagram. So please do comment more and write reviews and ratings and talk to me. I'm really lonely now that I haven't got Jenny every single month. So Tell me what you're thinking. How are you witching around each month? You can email me at witchingaroundpodcast at gmail.com 
or there's the Instagram, which is at Witching Around Podcast, and Facebook, which is at Witches Podcast. And uh, it's all in the show notes. So if you're worried about spelling, just check the podcast notes and it's all in there. Or you can probably just Google it and you'll, we'll turn up somewhere. We are also on X or Twitter. However, I don't tend to update it that much anymore. And uh, neither does Jenny. We don't tend to frequent Twitter all that often. So <laughs> that you, could, you can comment on there and leave nice messages, but chances are I'm not going to see it. So the other thing I've been thinking about is adding a bit more content on monthly because unlike Jenny I am not actually all that busy and I do have time to record some more content and it's going to be something that I could probably do between my uh, my different jobs that I do and something I've been thinking about is doing some minisodes between the main episodes and talking about little um, practical tips practical magic if you will but I'm not sure whether or not this is something that you guys would actually be interested in. So if you are, please do leave a comment or drop an email and tell me. And more than that, you could also tell me what you'd like to hear, what kind of tips you'd like to hear. And they won't all be personal to me. They might be ones that I've gathered from other people, which means that there's opening for you guys. If there's anything you like to do in terms of practical magic tips for other listeners, then you can send it to us either via message or you can record a voice note and you can have your own voice on the podcast as well. And similarly, if you want to be interviewed about your path or something specifically about witchcraft and, and something in the pagan community, maybe it's something that's uh, been you've been pondering about recently. Talk to me. You don't have to be famous. Because that's this is what this podcast is about. It's about modern day witchcraft and paganism and how we navigate the path now. And that that's not restricted to famous witches. That's that's all of us. So yeah, please, please, please do get in touch and just tell me what you want to hear on the podcast. And since we've got an interview all lined up for you lovely people, let's move on to our interview with Bianca Kemp. I've been really looking forward to this. I've never done a, a podcast before. Um, so excuse me if I ramble and do feel uh, free to interject and pull me back to uh, down to earth. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> uh, our listeners know that both Jenny and I ramble loads as well. So Yeah, that's good. It's all good. <laughs> so, uh, so for our listeners who don't know who you are, Bianca, can you tell us yeah. a little bit more about you and your path? Okay, uh, yeah, so my name is uh, Bianca Kemp and I run a shop on Etsy uh, called Bergroon. And um, so my path, I, I primarily practice and I'm developing a magical herbalism path, um, which is, uh, so I work with herbs and other um, uh, natural materia uh, for the purposes of um, self-transformation and for um, deepening your connection with nature and mystical experiences and wisdom, um, which follows the uh, seasonal cycle, uh, the wheel of the year and um, other uh, patterns and rhythms of nature. What got you interested in working with herbs to start off with? Um, okay, so I think... Um, Probably just um, curiosity and, you know, my uh, love of the outdoors and nature from an early age. Like I've always um, enjoyed uh, solitude in nature and, you know, being on my own. And I was uh, quite fortunate to have grown up in um, 
two quite remote but beautiful parts of the country. So I, I'm from the Isle of Wight, uh, from a town called Ventnor. And we have quite, um, you know, an, um, quite a magical landscape um, down there. It's a, it's a lovely town. And uh, so that that's one one place where I, I, I got, I suppose, um, the initial inspiration and um, to connect with, um, you know, a landscape and place of power. Um, took an interest in a lot of the uh, flora and fauna out there and um, would quite frequently just escape out, you know, of the town and go down into the landslip and there's a botanical gardens. And um, yeah, and I, I would have quite, um, uh, I think quite mystical experiences, you know, in, in those places, which, you know, shaped the way that I began to perceive, you know, myself and the world and my values. And also um, I spent some time in the Highlands of Scotland as well, where my dad lives um, between the ages of 12 and uh, 15. And um, that was quite remote in the Highlands. And uh, my grandmother's house backed out onto um, a very beautiful old woodlands with locks. And again, it was, I suppose <clears throat> it was there where I, um, I, I suppose I developed a sense of you know, otherness, you know, being a non-white, non-Scottish person, you know, and also very different from the family. So, you know, I found, um, you know, uh, I found myself uh, frequently going back to those woods and just, you know, it was just a place where I was well and happy. And, you know, now I suppose um, back then I didn't really understand the process that I was going through um, but now when I look back on it and the kind of path that I've taken, I realise that these were very formative experiences for me, which I've just um, continued, I suppose, throughout my life. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that's probably uh, that's probably probably the origins. Um, then there have been uh, various other phases um, where I've been pulled back, you know, into this communion with nature. Um, so I, I lived in London for a while as a student and spent most of my time there at Kew Gardens. And um, yeah, mostly at Kew Gardens because it was the only place where I could really go and, you know, be around so many uh, different plants and trees and just keep connecting and learning and uh, learning about them. And um, that learning took on, yeah, it took on a different form around that time. So I became very interested in the histories of the plants because they weren't, uh, I wasn't looking at wild and native flora. These were plants which had been transported here over the course of two, three hundred years um, through uh, trade routes, um, colonial trade routes, and, in, you know, um, during the uh, era of colonialism and imperialism um a lot of, i learned that a lot of these plants that we um are familiar with and that we know and love today in our gardens like garden shrubs aren't native um to here or a lot of the trees and um so i was very interested in you know where they came from and their you know the indigenous histories and then the loss of these histories and rediscovering them so i get quite thrilled um to learn about 
specific plants like rhododendrons that's something I'd come across a lot and camellias like these garden shrubs that you know that that they're early spring blooming um flowers that uh you know woodland plants which I, I had no idea I mean th because they're so invasive you know they seem to jump out of gardens and then you know I find them at the local woodlands or <laughs> woodlands and I always yeah. just I had no idea you know that they had these really fascinating um histories that they'd only been here for like 200 years and then I'd learn all about you know the Himalayas and uh, <laughs> you know and, and places in China and things and um and uh yeah and I I just spent a good few years um quite immersed in these plant stories and histories and writing them down and um just trying to find a way to make uh make something coherent of it you know I wasn't quite sure like it was just such a mass of information coming in and I was you know forever um you know getting very excited about this you know like path of interest um wasn't sure whether I should do you know should I blog about it or you know should I grow them or like what should I do and um, should I document them or go to you know do another course or something and um anyway so as as that was going on uh, my partner Tom um su suggested that we move from London over to the countryside in Devon because he's a ceramicist and he wanted to set up a pottery studio and um, we didn't have enough money to uh, be able to do that in London. And also, I was itching to get back into the uh, into the wild again. And so I was thrilled. And I said, right, come on, let, let's go pack up and go. Um, so we came out here. And um, yes, and, and to my delight, I was um, ended up in a place. Um, so my, my stomping ground around here is the north coast. Um, the north coast of uh, Devon and Cornwall around the border area. So, you know, I'm kind of in between like viewed um, Holesworthy, Launceston area, um, all that borderlands where, you know, I'm just, um, I'm spoiled with all of these like wild, you know, flowers and patches of woodlands and things which I can just spend um, hours in. And um, so that gave me the opportunity to, you know, actually start, you know, gathering and working with the herbs and um, collecting them, uh, drying them out, um, blending them and just uh, developing my own uh, system of categorizing them, which wasn't scientific Linnaean that I, you know, been learning about in Kew Gardens. But um, what I then learned was, you know, um, a system of correspondences, um, which, you know, these have been used for, you know, hundreds of years. And, you know, and, and I was discovering books on, um, I suppose, like magical, I, I think you call it like um, magical medicine, which is like an old Anglo-Saxon um, way of... Uh, knowing or understanding uh, herbs to work with for their healing properties and using um, using medicinal um, magical sorry magical charms and incantations um, in a, what I perceive to be quite shamanistic you know and I until that point I didn't realize that you know Britain had its own indigenous shamanistic plant heritage in that sense you know which before I would have thought was 
something uh, more in uh, American, you know, so uh, indigenous American plant or shamanism healing is well known around the world, um, as is yeah. Ayurvedic, Ayurvedic, uh, you know, India. But I didn't, I, th I think because England um, or Great Britain kind of lost, seems to have lost a lot of that um, traditional medicine and healing knowledge. It's not well known unless you actually go and, you know, dig in archives and old books and look for it. You know, it's not something that is, you know, passed down and it's not become part of our mainstream culture. And so I, I rediscovered that and um, which inspired me to... Um, uh, to um, start Bergroom because I needed an outlet you see for practicing um, yeah <laughs> for practicing and learning and sharing yeah so um, yeah I suppose Bergroom is the um, the manifestation of that journey so wow. far <laughs> moving on to obviously your shop has loads of amazing stuff and I've bought a lot <laughs> the, thank the you thank you so, so much <laughs> yeah. uh, so when you create do you strictly stick with foraging or do you grow your own herbs as well oh I grow I I do so I grow herbs in my garden I've got a um kind of like a, a herb allotment out here in Devon and um, which is a bit um it's a bit of a state at the moment because it's winter. So everything's died back and I need to go out there and, and um, deadhead everything, which I didn't do uh, in October. <laughs> so it oh, looks I'm like... saying like my garden's a state I'm afraid to look. <laughs> it looks like a mausoleum and um, yeah, do, do all the planting and things. Um, so I'm, yeah, so I do, I grow herbs. Um, I also buy them in as well from organic. Um, so I like to use, uh, I think it's organic herb trading. Um, they send me um, orders over with, uh, and they always wrap them up in these very beautiful um, packaging and they're all organic and everything. So um, for teas and um, facial things, uh, like for skincare and bath, um, bath products um, I usually get those from organic herb uh, trading um, forage things I put into um, incense blends and little jars and things um, more to liven up the um, you know the cut herbs because when you buy cut herbs in from um, from a wholesaler um, they generally just come like as a cut herb. So um, you don't really get flowers and, you know, all the, the beautiful um, life and the scent, you know, that you get from foraging um, herbs and drying them out yourself. Um, so, for example, meadow sweet. If you are going to order some meadow sweet from, say, um, herbal apothecary or um, organic herb trading you would just get the whole plant that's cut down and shredded and sorted and sifted and um, which is great for tea um, but if you want to um, use meadow sweet in a way where you can present the um, the uh, the essence of the plant so you want to see the beautiful uh, creamy white flower and you want to feel its texture say in a, a, a loose incense blend or an offering blend um, I think you you want to experience the the qualities of the plant, not just the cut down, yeah, you know, generic version. So um, that's what I use uh, my foraged um, stock for. Also, foraging as well. Now there is an ethical dimension to foraging, which makes it 
it's not this day and age foraging isn't that sustainable um you do need to if you are foraging you need to follow particular um, ethical guidelines um, for tending to certain patches because they're diminishing all the time um, either through um, you know just naturally so some plants are perennial or biennial so you know you have to be you can overpick for example um, yeah. so if you're running a shop or if you're using foraged items in products you you can't over harvest any patch which belongs to everyone for your own commercial projects or you know use or gain for example yeah um, so you have to make sure to put down seeds and that you pick very sparsely and sustainably don't return to the same patch so um they have to be supplemented with um herbs that you either grow yourself or that you can buy in from a supplier like a trusted supplier um <clears throat> you know and i do also advocate for you know all um, magical practitioners really to go out and you know forage for certain things because it's really the if you are practicing um you know, a, a, a kind of magical herbalism path where you use herbs and plants, um, you know, in, in your spiritual practice, then you, you need to, um, you need to have a full experience of them, you know, in terms of their, um, you know, their textures and behaviors and scents and, you know, the, the, the qualities or the qualia, as they say, um, of, of that herb. So, you know, I think in it, we need to, advocate for more wild spaces and um you know throw down seeds where we can and um encourage them to grow and tend to them and look after them um so it's 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 reciprocal um you need to you know try to develop that kind of reciprocal relationship with your natural area and, you know in in a sense try to become a guardian or a protector and as well as um you know just you know just foraging for example so I always think that's quite important to express when talking about foraging because um you know we do we we do like to um connect with the old ways you know and keep these traditions alive because it's very, very important you know to us now and the next generation um but at the same time you know perhaps you know in in medieval times or you know even 200 years ago um there were many more wild spaces than what there are now and you know i've noticed even in the past few years like every year like patches are that i would go to uh one year have been developed over for a new bit of a bus stop or you know a yeah. new surgery or something so and um out here as well there's a lot of uh town development going on so there's these um housing estates <clears throat> that keep being continuously being built like so all the villages and towns are being extended all of the time and um this is take they're being built over like old um path bridal pathways and footpaths and things and it's cutting off access uh to you know wild patches and they're disappearing so you know yarrow patches of like yarrow mustard mustard plant um you know um dog all sorts of um you know wild patches comfrey they they diminish all the time and and are disappearing 
and um, you know this is a bit of a problem so if you are foraging um, which I do believe everyone should you will inevitably come up against this issue you know and then you have to mediate it somehow I'm actually starting to mull over like those of us who live in more well I was I say us I actually live quite a rural area but people who live Mm. in more built areas like you were talking about London and thinking about ways that we can sort of start building that up again and that's just yeah. a, that's something I think we need to think about more and like pushing towards our councils for community gardens and that kind of thing oh absolutely uh, yeah are there any other any processes or rituals that you do when you forage so coming away a bit more from the practical side and more of the magical yeah. side is okay. there anything you do in particular um I suppose, yeah. So for me, I know. Sorry, I'll start off with this, and then I'll get more more into you know the specifics of magic. So um, foraging is for me like a, a magical ritual, like it's a communion with nature, in which you know you are activating you know parts of your psyche when you are you know engaging with a specific plant, and you know it is intentional, and um, so yeah forage, foraging for me is a is is a magical um thing i think also um because the the reason it's magical as well is because it aligns you with you know particular energies you know energies of those areas which are you know powerful you know places it brings you to places where you are i suppose um receiving uh a, an energy which you then transfer you know in another in an intentional way so I do anoint before I go out you know because it is a a, a, a ritual from a magical ritual for me like I always anoint before I go out you know and um you know I I do tend to hone my intuition and you know set my desires and intentions you know on what I wish to um you know receive from it and you know also what I'm willing to um what I want to share of myself in terms of you know letting go of the bad and (laughs) bringing in the good um so yeah um so it's yeah spiritual in that sense and in a magical style um so I also practice like uh you know like seed balls and you know so I will um make earth balls or seed balls um with seeds you know and put them down and encourage growth you know and I like candles and make shrines so um, I'm especially fond of um areas where there's a lot of hawthorn trees and um I'm quite inclined to uh commune with nature spirits um you know which I do consider like a, a fairy presence and I get very excited, you know, in certain areas that I go into and I will always take incense and candles, you know, and little offerings and things from my home, which I know um, will be appreciated there. And I hope like found, you know, um, in many years to come, <laughs> like all buried or tucked away, <laughs> which is something actually I've been doing like so this, these rituals, I think, being out in nature began with me uh, a long time ago before I really understood that I was practicing something of witchcraft or magic. 
so leaving things you know and um wanting to make sort of dens and nests outside and you know um with candles and incense and sitting and chanting <laughs> to myself and um and just opening up so yeah I mean does does that answer it so I just to be, I can just clarify yeah so anointing um before you go out with an intentional oil um is a, a good way to set your intentions and prepare for you know the ritual and just to know what you what it is that you hope to find um based on what it is that you feel you need to find um for yourself so um may it be um you know um love and compassion you know you you go out and you hope to find a plant which speaks that to you um some particular healing or something um or you know maybe a, a more of a protection um uh like a, a protective herb um you know for like um boundaries or resilience or something so you can anoint with um with, with an oil or um take something with you which helps you to um align your intention before you go out in the hope to attract that same you know so likeness um um so that that kind of alignment um uh yeah making making shrines lighting candles um you know, in, in places where you feel um, fairy present and um, and where you want to make wishes, you know, or you want to um, release burdens and secrets. Um, I think to you, you can ritualize this and turn this into a spell by, you know, setting up a little shrine there, um, you know, casting your spell and just, um, you know, just being there with the with the spirits. And um, in my experience, like this is always you you never come away. Um, it's always fulfilling, and it's always um, it always uh, continue. It gives you a feeling of continuation, like of past and present. It's never a wasted. It's never it's never wasted. It's never frivolous. It's never a a silly thing to do it will always enrich your life and um and it will always you, you'll always remember that time you know as something significant it leads on to other things is what I'm saying so the magic yeah. does work <laughs> yeah <laughs> the magic works <laughs> yeah <clears throat> and so we've talked a lot about foraging already so I yes. wanted to sort of circle back to gardening so our listeners will know I'm quite notorious for having a black thumb even though I love to garden and I've had plants where I'm some of them are still alive mostly because I'm begging them not to die and some of yes. them have <laughs> have not fed as well so do you have any <laughs> tips for those of us who are looking to grow our own magical herbs uh yeah I think so uh, only in that like I haven't heard that phrase black thumb before but I totally have this problem right so yeah I'm I'm not green fingered and um, I cannot keep house plants. I can't keep pots, um, potted plants alive, you know, for the life of me. And uh, so, don't keep house plants. Work with the seasonal energies. So you 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 don't have to rely on like timings and temperatures. And um, because it's probably not something to do with you, you know, you you know, like um inherently with you it might just be you know something to like there's other things blocking your attention or you know like getting in the way of that it might not just be your style it's not my style to keep house plants like I've seen um 
or to cultivate um, uh, difficult plants like in greenhouses or non-native plants. Very, very difficult thing to do. And it's kind of, it takes your full time and attention. It's scientific, essentially. You know, yeah. you need to, it's scientific. Things need to be measured and weighed and they're all different. They all have different needs. And I love to see all these like plant, you know, house plant people and, you know, like um, on Instagram and that, I think it looks beautiful and great, these indoor jungles and, you know, these beautiful, amazing gardens that people create as well. But I can't do that. So I would, um, if I could give you any advice, it would be to um, go with a permaculture like a permaculture style and um, have window boxes of herbs, um, which you know you can plant in the times, in their time, in their seasonal times. And then you can let the natural sunlight and the rainfall um, to uh, help those plants. And it takes you out of the picture, you see. They're not relying on you having to <laughs> set timers on your phone <laughs> and in your calendar, you know, as like their mother, but they can just be mothered by um, nature and you can interact and in enjoy them in that way and just give them a space, yeah, in order to, you know, um, in order to thrive and flourish just making sure that they're in a place where they've got enough sunlight that they're companion planted as well so you want to make sure that um you know your herbs are um sharing space um with um those other herbs which are um compatible with, with that are going to cooperate rather than um over dominate you know so, yeah. which is the kind of minimal amount of research a nice bit of research that you can do it's not you know you don't have to again don't have to worry about like amounts of water and amounts of daylight and you know moving them around everywhere to try and get the right spot um yeah so if you can do window boxes like um also, if it's in the garden as well, just try and get a space where you can get a little bit of perm permaculture go going. So choose a few um, seeds or plants or cuttings that, you know, you'd like to see thrive, you know, chuck them down in the right, you know, season time of year um, and, and just see what pops up and see how you can just keep encouraging that with the most minimal input, the most minimal effort. And um, and that way you should be able to, you know, really benefit from, you know, being able to watch these plants like interact and, um, you know, flourish within their seasons. And um, you won't feel so stressed that you're letting them down because you're giving all that that um, that burden back to nature, so to speak. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that yeah. Let nature do its thing as much as possible and just try to provide you know the space for them yeah and make sure that they're all friends you know <laughs> that they can all be friends and get along um yeah so that that's I think that's the advice that I would give if that's helpful to you so yeah go the permaculture route and start very basic yeah yeah just okay. a bit of companion planting yeah and don't 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 beat yourself up about not being able to manage house plants because um yeah I mean I do They're, I love going to the garden center and I love ferns and ivy and I just I want them everywhere or all around me and but they just die as soon as I you know they go for a little while some of them I get about two years you know I can 
keep a plant alive for about two years and I'm like wow and then you know I get back from holiday and it's dead yeah. <laughs> coming back you know? yeah it's I actually gone. had quite a good run of plants happening um a few years ago in 2020 actually when I got when I was pregnant yeah. with my son I got really into gardening and actually was oh, doing lovely. quite well with it and yeah. then I was in hospital with him for quite a few days because he was struggling oh. to gain weight yeah and I came back and they were all all the plants were dead <laughs> Yeah, that that was your lot. Yeah, and you've been struggling yeah, ever since. Yeah, I know your pain. <laughs> yeah, no, I know your pain. I do. I look back on photographs sometimes that I've got on my phone, and I'm like, blimey, look at the living room. It was like all these plants which are now dead. <laughs> they were wonderful. Yeah, I had a lemon tree that was doing really well for about four years, and it was oh, like wow. it. I never got lemons. It just gave off these tiny little vanilla flowered um, flowers with these tiny little baby look like little micro lemons inside Aww. the stamen there and I was like come on come on I was really rooting for it but it was actually quite a horrible spiky plant so it had these nasty mm. thorns on it so no one could move it or touch it because oh, you no. just get skewered and um yeah and that that was going for a while and I was really proud of it and had high hopes but now that's just sat on a wall in the garden waiting to be buried I don't know what happened to it it must have got shocked or scared one day and just what got petrified and um oh gardening's tough isn't it but I wish you all the best in in, in resurrecting <laughs> resurrecting yeah. your garden this year <laughs> and so do you have any witchy tips for our listeners doesn't have to be about herbal herbalism mm. just anything in general well um I suppose well February yeah I, I would say it's for coping with you know this last leg of winter February um keep those candles burning <laughs> keep your candles burning and keep them anointed because um yeah I think it's it's dark and quite gloomy isn't it, and it especially for us here in the UK um I do tend to suffer from a lack of light and inspiration and um health just feeling a little bit drained and you know and I do find that um February is the best month for um just buying lots of candles they don't have to be expensive you know just from the pound shop or whatever and keeping them burning um throughout the day as well like I like to love to get up in the morning anoint the candle and you know light it for that day and and at night time too but of course do practice candle safety <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Of course. so always practice good candle safety but yeah keep your candles burning throughout February um yeah to keep your uh, strength and resilience and, and and your hope up as we uh, look forward to spring and the coming of more light and warmth <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you for joining us and thank you so us, much well, for having me, me. Listeners. yeah thank yeah, you so really much you on. yeah it's been <laughs> delightful thank you thank you Reagan uh, okay speak to you soon bye okay, bye <laughs> This has been Witching Around with your hosts Regan Shanti and Jenny Cartledge. It was developed by Regan Shanti and is sponsored by Witchvest. If you'd like to join the conversation, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook by searching A Witch's Podcast. Remember to rate, review and subscribe on Spotify. It helps other people to find the podcast. Our intro-outro music was From the Ashes by Solas. Thank you for walking this path with us. Merry, Merry meet and, and blessed be. be.